This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to provide medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Guests on this podcast express their own opinions and conclusions. Please talk to your healthcare team regarding your specific situation. Hello, and welcome to the Speak Gyno Podcast. I'm your host, Nee Gutenfelder. We're really excited to have joining us today is Tamara Bullard. Tamara is the owner of True Physical Therapy and Wellness. She has her Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology, Master of Science in Physical Therapy, and Doctor of Physical Therapy. Tamara has been a physical therapist since 2002, working in multiple settings over her 18-year career. It was her work in a clinic in Washington, D.C. that specialized in pregnancy and postpartum pain that began her passion for women's health issues. After the natural births of her two biological children, Tamara discovered the underserved need of women with pelvic floor dysfunction. Through her journey with women afflicted with pelvic floor dysfunction, she has discovered the vast need for physical, emotional, and spiritual support that is required for total healing. In August of 2019, Tamara ventured out to open a private concierge physical therapy and wellness clinic in Keller, Texas, in order to serve this population of women, among other orthopedic and sports medicine diagnoses. Her philosophy stands, women do not need to suffer in silence regarding dysfunction of their pelvic floor. Healing can occur with the right team and support around them. Our topic of focus is learning more about the importance of pelvic health and pelvic floor therapy, and I'm so glad you're taking the time to join us this morning, Tamara. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nia. I'm happy to be here. If we could start off by talking about what is pelvic floor therapy exactly, and why is pelvic health important? So pelvic floor therapy is any therapy addressing the muscles or the joints related to the pelvis. And pelvic health is so important because I see that as very underserved population, underserved diagnosis when it comes to people getting treatment. Whether men, women, children, pelvic health is out there. Pelvic health treatment is available to everybody. And so I think it's just very underserved. It's not spoken about, it's not talked about. And so it's very important people suffer through it in silence quite Mm -hmm. often. Can you explain how is it similar or different to physical therapy for an injury or pain in other areas of our body? Yeah, so physical therapy addresses basically is trying to get somebody back to their prior level of function. Whether you're a runner and you have knee pain, we want to address that knee pain and get you back to running. Same thing with pelvic floor. Your pelvic floor can spasm, it can become painful, it can become weak, just like any other muscle in the body we address it just like we would those muscles as well. And if you have hip pain, joint pain, low back pain that falls under the gamma of pelvic floor issues as well, then we address that. But all of these are similar. It's basically addressing the muscles, addressing the joints, getting weakness strengthened, getting pain gone. Basically, it's the same type therapy as you're gonna do with any other muscle or joint in the body. Well, that makes sense the way you're explaining it. It is similar to other parts of the body. I think what is unique is mainly the location, and like you mentioned, it's just not often talked about. Tamara, would you be able to talk more about the function of the pelvic floor? Yeah, so your pelvic floor basically is a set of muscles that act like a hammock inside the base of the pelvis. And there's four specific functions. You think of the four S's. Number one, it's the sphincters in the pelvic floor. So the sphincters are for the urethra and the sphincter for the bowels, the rectal sphincter. And so those sphincters maintain continence so that we don't leak until it's time to go, until there's an appropriate place that we can 
can go, then the pelvic floor acts as a, to contract and hold in urine and hold in bowels. It also acts as a support. So all of our organs, your bladder, your bowels, your uterus, all of these things are sitting on top of the pelvic floor. So that pelvic floor is like, again, like a hammock and has a supportive role to hold up those organs. Sometimes if we get weakness in the pelvic floor, we may have pelvic organ prolapse, where we have the bladder or the rectum or the uterus start to fall down through the vaginal wall. It doesn't pierce through it, but pushes into it. And then that's where if you have a falling out feeling that you may have a supportive issue within that pelvic floor that's not holding. Stability. So the third S is stability, where these muscles attach to bones. And when you have that, then you have them affecting the joints. And so they provide a stability role in holding the, the pelvis together and stabilizing the pelvis as we walk, move, jump, run, whatever we're doing. It's a stability role. And the last thing is the last fourth S is sexual function. So being able to enjoy sex, maintain sex. When we orgasm, it's the pelvic floor muscles that actually contract and provide that pleasure sensation. So there's a sexual function as well within the pelvic floor. It definitely sounds very involved. And I like some of the terminology that you're using because it helps with painting a picture and explaining because this isn't something that I've ever learned in school or talking right. to friends. Right. So I'm glad that you went into that. Yes. Could you share with us, how did you decide to pursue this as a career? Yes, so I've been a physical therapist for about 18 years and I've done kind of a generalist. I've done geriatric care, I've done some sports, orthopedics, but it was, uh, I worked up in a clinic up in Washington, D.C. And I was exposed to pregnancy-related pain, some pelvic floor at that time. And then I got pregnant with my first child. I had, you know, natural births with midwives with my with two children. And I found and discovered what what goes on with that and what can come from that, the dysfunction and the difficulties and whatnot. Everybody says, oh, it's birth and you heal up and everything's fine. It's not always like that. And so again, that underserved population of women, I really started pressing into pregnancy and pelvic floor, and then obviously all the other diagnoses that come with pelvic floor as well. And it is such a fulfilling job to see women come in and say, I'm not crazy. This is something that can be fixed. Mm -hmm. And again, just because it's not talked about. And so it's just become really a passion of mine to address this. Well, that definitely leads into the next question is, so you had mentioned childbirth. What other situations might lead an individual to need pelvic floor therapy that they may not even be aware of? Yes. If you have any kind of pelvic floor weakness, you may be leaking, which would be called incontinence. Whether you're leaking urine, leaking bowels, that would be a need for pelvic floor therapy or evaluation. Post-surgical, again, birth. If people have a fall, that can cause some pelvic pain, hip pain, SI joint pain, low back pain, hip pain. That could be pelvic floor related. Obviously, your sports, your, your power lifters, your weight trainers, your people that run, jump. You have athletes in high school, college that leak because of their sport. And wow, so that would be that. something else that would be addressed. People with endometriosis, bladder spasms, bladder pain, these are all places that pelvic floor therapy could address. Sounds like a very wide range. It is, yes, definitely. What symptoms or issues do we as women need to discuss with our doctors and what situations would therapy be helpful? Yes, yeah, situations you need to discuss with your doctor and don't let them take it lightly. I would like to say that. If you have physicians that are very pro-therapy, pro-physical therapy for pelvic floor and they understand the benefit of it, people that, again, the leakage, if you're leaking in your postpartum or leaking in your post-surgical, oh, well, it's just part of it. It's just life, it'll, it'll go away, or it's just something you have to live with.
with, it's not something you have to live with. Pelvic pain, pain with intercourse, pain with you go to work and you have a, a falling out feeling or a heaviness in the, in the vaginal area, that would be something to say, you know, there's something going on down there, I need to have that addressed. And this is something that therapy can do. Mm -hmm. This is not, let me take a pill and it's gonna go away, or let me get a muscle relaxer and it's gonna go away. It's a dysfunction within the muscle and that muscle needs to be healed. That makes a lot of sense. So it's not just covering up the symptom, it's just finding the root cause of it. Yes. Now, does timing have anything to do with it? For instance, if someone is having the issues within a few months of, let's say, a surgery versus 10 years down the road, does that make a difference? If it's like, oh, well, I've been living with it for so long, I may as well just continue. Right, so that is gonna be the difference in an acute issue or a more of a chronic persistent problem. The longer you let something go on, and this is across the board with therapy, if you have a tendonitis in your elbow, same type thing, the longer you let it go on, the harder it is to get it to heal. Doesn't mean that you can't heal. I've had women come in that had vaginal pain for 10 years and we got them pain free. Mm -hmm. So it's not that it can't, it's just gonna take more visits, more time, more patience to get that pain addressed and to go away versus, or incontinence, whatever the problem may be, versus somebody coming in with, I've had it for three weeks, it may only take a couple of visits to get things healed up. That's good to know. Now Tamara, what can an individual expect during treatment? Yes, yeah, so the initial evaluation is gonna be the patient coming in and we get a good history all the way back to childhood if it goes into that. What is your history? What are some of the problems you're having? What are the symptoms you're having? When does your pain happen? When does your incontinence happen? What are the situations? So we're gonna get all that information and that gives us a good clinical picture of what we're dealing with. And then you go into an objective evaluation. So that's more of a hands-on assessment. With pelvic floor, we can do external assessments. We see how the, the tissues react. We see where the pain is we see if, if the pelvic floor is able to contract, which would be called a kegel, can the pelvic floor relax? And so this is all a visual assessment. But then we also do an internal assessment because these muscles, just like I explained to my patients, if you're a desk worker and your upper traps and your neck are hurting from sitting at a desk all day, we're gonna go in and work on those muscles. These muscles of the pelvic floor are just internal. And so that's how we have to access them to get a good assessment. We would go in, obviously palpate and see if there's any trigger points, any pain sources coming from that. We have you do a kegel while we're in there to see what the strength is, we grade that on a strength scale, we do some relaxation, we do, we see how your breathing reacts with your pelvic floor. So there's, there's a whole assessment that goes in with that. And so after that assessment, we take the history you gave us, we take the objective evaluation that we did, and we put those two together and create a treatment plan based on all that information. And then that treatment plan basically sets out how many visits we're going to do, what we're going to do during those visits in order to reach the goals that the patient has. Tamara, you had mentioned about the Kegel exercises. I know that some people think pelvic floor therapy is simply Kegel exercises. Is that true? And could you explain what are Kegel exercises? Yes. So Kegel exercises are just one small little piece of what pelvic floor therapy entails. So pelvic floor therapy, we're going to be doing manual therapy with you, which would be myofascial release, trigger point release. Some therapists will do dry needling. So that's that manual piece of it. Also doing adjustments or manipulations or mobilizations to the hips and the sacroiliac joint in order to get everything aligned correctly. The kegels come in if somebody has a weakness. Kegel is basically a contraction of your pelvic floor. But learning how to do a kegel, so not every diagnosis needs kegels. And we say, oh, you're having some pain, do some kegels. Well, that would be actually detrimental to someone with pelvic pain because most often the pelvic floor is overactive and it's very tight. And we don't want to contract something that's already tight. We need to learn how to relax that muscle in order to get rid of the pain. So with your pelvic pain patients, it's more of a relaxation based 
waist stretching, even mindfulness, mindful meditation to calm down that pelvic floor, not necessarily doing a Kegel for that. So again, Kegels are just that one piece of pelvic floor. They are very valuable in the right situation, Mm -hmm. but they're not appropriate for every diagnosis when it comes to pelvic floor therapy. So it's very patient specific. Yes, yes. Well, I was curious, are there exercises that we can do at home to either strengthen or relax our pelvic floor, or is it best not to do that at home to see a specialist? I still think you would need to see a specialist. You need to see a therapist that can diagnose what's going on and make that appropriate recommendation of you need to do kegels or you need to do this stretch or you need to do this relaxation technique. And again, relaxing the pelvic floor is a very difficult thing. We hold, as women, we hold a lot of emotion down there. That's just something that needs to be assessed for that therapist to say, okay, yes, you do need kegels or oh yes, you do need this. Or you may have a patient that has incontinence and weakness, but she's got trigger points within the muscle that need to be manually taken care of first and then we do kegels you know a week or two down the road it sounds like it's very much a a customized it is it is and that's what that's what physical therapy does we take our patients in it's not a one-size-fits-all it's it's customized for each patient now Tamara earlier you had mentioned that we as women we hold emotion within our pelvic floor could you elaborate on that You know, we do. It's been uh, researched and found that a lot of when we are stressed or when we are, and that can just be everyday stress, everyday stress of, of working or taking care of kids or, you know, marital stress or whatever that stress is, that we tend to hold that in our pelvic floor. And so where people get tight neck muscles or the trapezius muscles, we find that the more a woman is stressed, that our pelvic floor will tighten up and become overactive as well. Something I did not mention, but I do want to elaborate it or elaborate on are the situations that need physical therapy. And one of those that I did not mention is the fact of abuse. I think this stat is like 80 to 85% of women that have some sort of pelvic pain have had some kind of abuse in their past. And so that is really just a general question that is asked in every evaluation that I do is I ask, have you ever had any kind of abuse in your past? And that could be verbal, it could be emotional, it could be sexual abuse. And I will tell you in my clinic, 80, 85% of women I literally see how they will voice, yes, I've had this in the past, or yes, I've had this in the past. And so that's why, you know, your history goes all the way back possibly to your childhood and some things that might have happened there that sparked the process of pelvic pain coming on or pelvic floor dysfunction. That's incredible. I mean, that is, may not be the first thing that comes to mind and it's as not, a root cause. And it's not talked about. It's not... Um, I think our society is getting much better about getting that out in the open and addressing those issues, but that is something else that it can definitely be tied together and women may not suspect that I'm having pelvic pain and I have had abuse in my past. Again, that's where you almost need a, uh, you do need a, a team around you, a physician and a physical therapist and possibly a psychologist or psychiatrist or for mental health. And so it's this team that needs to surround a woman in that situation in order for her to become wholly mm-hmm. healthy again. Yeah, because it's your whole body is connected. Yes. Thank you so much for touching on that. Yes. Would you be able to share, are there one or two success stories from the patients that you've worked with throughout the year? Yes. I actually just finished up with one. I've been seeing her for five months, actually. She was postpartum. She had two children, but after the first child, she already had pain. She was a nurse, so she was on her feet for 12-hour shifts, and she already had pain after her first child. She didn't get any therapy or any care for three years, then became pregnant, had a second child. They were both vaginal births, and then that was it. She was like, I can't have sex, and I can't work out, and those are the two stress relievers in my life (laughs) and so I was like okay well let's get you back to both of those and she would have this heavy vaginal pain during the day at work so she couldn't even get through a shift she couldn't even get through the first two hours of a 12-hour shift so by the end of a shift she was just in extreme pain and so again I worked with her for five months and got her back to doing all of her workouts she's 
able to get through a full, all of her shifts throughout the week with no pain. We have still a little bit of difficulty with pain with one position in sex, but other than that, she's doing great and she's really progressed well. She's done all the exercises, but it was, again, about twice a week for the first two or three months, and then we went down to once a week treatment. She did all of her exercises at home, but again, that took time because it was a process in the making over years mm-hmm. um, versus if she had had therapy right after the first child, I think would have been um, more helpful. More helpful for her, yes. Definitely. Wow. Well, that's amazing. I'm glad that you were able to, to be able to help her in that situation. Yes. So another example is I had a patient who was in her 60s. I remember her very clearly. She was from England. She had a beautiful accent and she was a very proper woman. She'd been married to her husband for, gosh, 30, 35 years and she had vulvar cancer and she went in, she had it surgically removed, she had gone through a process and now she was having pelvic pain. She went to see her OB about it months and months later and the OB referred her down to me and we walked through obviously all the history, all the objective assessment. I had to walk her through what we're gonna do, why we're gonna do it because she was like, you know, it's just, I've never been with anybody but my own husband. She had not had children, so she had not gone through birth or anything like that, but she was just like, it's just been me and my husband and we have a great relationship and now we're not able to have sex and it's really affecting where we are. And so walking her through what the assessment looked like was a big piece. But throughout our treatments, there was a point where I put a mirror in front of my patients so that they can look at their vagina and see how it functions. If we learn how to, because again, it's just another part of our body, but it's very uncomfortable for some women to be able to look at it. But walking her through that process, if we visually see it and see how it contracts and see how it relaxes, just like any other muscle, there's a very big connection, almost like a sense of peace once we get past, I see patients get past that moment, right? Mm -hmm. And so we went through this process and I remember her sitting and I put the mirror in front, she was on the table, you know, reclined, and when she looked at it, she just broke down in tears. And it was because it looked so different compared to prior to her surgery. Mm -hmm. And it's walking that patient through that process of, it is good and it is whole and it is going to function the way it's supposed to. We're going to get you there. And she and she got there. She got to the point where she was able to have sex again. Her pain was gone. She was okay looking at it finally. All of those things. But it, it's a process. And obviously with all of the trauma and a, an emotional stress that comes on with the cancer diagnosis and then the treatment and then the surgery and then all these things down the road and then I'm kind of on the on back end of what their journey has been that I've not been involved with. You know, I'm getting the, the privilege of meeting them on the back end of their journey and being able to help them. They're now a cancer survivor. They're, they're past some of the hard stuff, but they're not completely on the other side of it yet, right? Mm-hmm. And so because there there is that other piece, but that's why I'm, again, that underserved population of your oncologist may say, well, you're just going to have pain, but there may not be a pelvic pain doctor, right? So it's something to not ignore and to seek help and to get that good therapist that's going to walk with you through the, the process on the back end. Wow, that is incredible. Like you said, it's it's a process and you're on the recovery end. Based on what you've told us, it sounds like it requires an emotional and intimate connection with your patients. How do you handle it? You know, my personality is very, on the front end, I'm, I'm, an, I'm more of an introvert. I'm very concrete, more of a serious person. I've, I've not been down that personal journey, right? Mm-hmm. So what is it? I don't sympathize, but I empathize with my patients. I take as much time as they need. If it's going to take an hour and a half that day, it's going to take an hour and a half. It's patience. It's meeting your, your patient where they are. 
in their journey and in their walk and knowing that their journey is not over you know it's not over and I feel like God puts me in a place that I can just be dropped in at a point in their journey and I find that blessing in meeting these patients and, and being able to help them and some treatments are we're happy and we're laughing and we're we're joking about our vaginas and then the next one we're crying together and yeah and walking through a hard day. You know, it has been an absolute blessing for me to be able to get into this piece of, of therapy and be able to treat these women and walk with them because we, we are, we are strong. We're, we're made strong in, in God's image and it's being able to walk with women in that. Are there any resources that you could share with any of our listeners who would like to learn more? And if any of our listeners would like to get in contact with you, what would be the best way? Yes, yeah, so for me, I've got a Facebook page that is up and running and it is at True PT and Wellness. True being T-R-U-P-T-A-N-D-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S at True PT and Wellness. They can contact me there on Facebook. You can message me. You can ask me questions or set up an appointment as well. The other resources I would recommend, there is a great book by Stephanie Prendergast and Elizabeth Rummer called Pelvic Pain Explained. And that is a great book for clinicians or the patient to basically give you information and resources on pelvic pain itself. For pelvic pain, I will look at the Pelvic Pain Support Network, which is www.healthunlocked.com slash pelvic pain. There's also an endometriosis group, endometriosis.org. You got the Interstitial Societies, which is Bladder Pain Network at ic-network.com. Those are all great resources for some pelvic pain. And for incontinence, you have the Incontinence Society as well. You can look that up online. They all have some great resources. Thank you so much for that. And Tamara, just thank you so much for spending some time with us to explain and share your expertise. It definitely takes a unique individual to do what you do, and thank you so much. Well, thank you. I really appreciate I, it's, it. It's been a blessing to be here, and I appreciate your time, too. I just want to take a moment to thank all of our listeners for your continued support. If you find value in our podcast, please share it with others you think would benefit, and we appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes. Lastly, if you or someone you know would like to share your journey and experience, please send an email to speakgyno at gmail.com. And as always, may we empower you, inspire you, and spark conversations. Mm-hmm.